Welcome. My name is Frank Kremkowski. I'm from the Helena chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. You are tuned in to the Montana DSA, Democratic Socialists of America podcast series. This is the uh, fifth in our series. And we've had uh, people from all across the state, including from Western Montana, uh, DSA, kick off our series. And I'll maybe get back to that now, but I want to introduce our guest today and also the DSA, Democratic Socialists of America is the, is the United States' largest uh, democratic socialist organization. Here in Montana, we have four chapters, Helena, Billings, uh, Bozeman, and the Missoula area. And we have hundreds of members who are working on, on basic issues that are central to the democratic socialist approach uh, to the uh, issues of our time. So in this sixth podcast of our series, not fifth, the sixth, uh, we're going to focus in on the issues that Montana now care about. And Montana now is the Montana chapter of the National Organization of Women. And our guest is the president of Montana now, Jan Strout from Billings, or from Bozeman, excuse me. And uh, we've been friends for many years and she's a global feminist educator and organizer, been advocating for human rights and justice for all for, uh, for decades, I guess I'd say. And I'm really proud to have her as part of our uh, uh, podcast today. I wanna just say one little bit more about democratic socialism. Um, you know, if you read uh, the daily or weekly things from Donald Trump, uh, if you happen to be as foolish as I am to get his little daily emails of BS or from the Montana Republican Party, you know that they're saying that uh, these Democrats are radical socialists. And I'd say, if only that were true, uh, democratic socialism is a approach to uh, reality and to life, which says we should be organizing all of our life democratically, politics and economics. And of course that has never happened. It certainly has not happened in the United States. And so we're working as DSA since 1982, uh, when the Democratic Socialists of America was founded uh, by uh, Barbara Enreich, Aaron Reich from Butte, and Michael Harrington, who were the two co-leaders at that time. As it turned out, uh, there were three of us who now live in Helena who were there at that 1982 founding convention of DSA. That was me, Marshall, Mayor, and Bonnie Lambert. And so we're proud to be part of that tradition of saying that uh, we know what a democratic socialism is, and it's the approach to bringing democracy and uh, democratic control and into all aspects of life, politics and economy. So with that, I just want to say that our guest then is Jan Strout, who's the president of the Montana chapter of NOW, the National Organization of Women. And NOW in Montana, uh, has been very, very active uh, during this, not only during this legislative, legislative session, but over the last several years in pushing and promoting and educating uh, about basic justice for, for women and, and, and uh, for all, really. And I want to welcome Jan and uh, have her tell us a little bit more about Montana Now and about what Montana Now has been doing during the 2023 Montana legislature. 
Thank you for being with us, Jan. Thank you, Frank. And yes, it's wonderful to be among friends. And um, I just want to say a few words, as you said, about uh, what the National Organization for Women is about. We're one of uh, many state chapters, and we welcome all genders, all backgrounds uh, to folks that would like to join us. And you can certainly check us out on uh, www.nr w.org for all of that information. But let me just say that our purpose is to take action through intersectional grassroots activism to promote feminist ideals, lead social change, eliminate discrimination and violence, and achieve and protect the equal and human rights of all women and girls and those most underrepresented in all aspects of social, political, and economic life. And so as you have already said, um, you know, in the DSA information, you know, we too are looking for uh, using a human rights framework to be able to achieve those goals, um, to live uh, in dignity and with fairness and justice um, using that type of framework. And we have six core issues uh, and we'll, we were focusing on three during the legislative session, but our six core issues are reproductive justice, economic justice, ending violence against women, girls, and particularly in Montana, missing and murdered indigenous people. We uh, advocate for racial justice as well as indigenous justice and LGBTQIA rights, uh, which are of course under horrific attack at this session. And finally, constitutional equality. And that means not only defending the Montana Constitution, which is one of the most progressive and human rights centered in this country, but also our, our national constitution. And in that national constitution, we are specifically focused on implementing the Equal Rights Amendment. And I hope to circle back on that national campaign uh, at the end when we talk a little bit more about how we relate to national work. But that's the work uh, that we do with, within our six core issues, which is a lot. <laughs> so we have campaigns on a lot of these issues but we also are just laser focused right now on the Montana legislative session because um, it has really been a place where all of our human rights are under attack. And at the same time, there are some incredibly brave and courageous legislators and a variety of allied groups and partners that we work closely with uh, to defend those rights and make advances where, where we can. So, um, so that's a little bit about our background. I'll also just mention one other thing because we had the great pleasure of working with you all and Helena on a speaking tour last fall, we were able to bring our national vice president, Bear Atwood, to spend a week with us visiting six cities, multiple events, um, on a tour that was looking at defending reproductive rights and bodily autonomy. And we had that because that has been a um, steady theme of the current uh, state leadership that was elected in 2020. It has also been um, a national theme on attacking our fundamental human rights to reproductive health, bodily autonomy and access to abortion. And because we had a ballot measure known as LR131, the so-called born alive bill, and that ballot measure was luckily defeated in a victory for all of us, um, 40, 47, 
to 53%. So 53% of our population voted against this attack on our human rights, our right to privacy, and our right to make our own private personal decisions. Um, and so that was a very strong statement, we believe, to defend the Montana Constitution. We're repeating it in every bill that we testify that is threatening those rights. And we'll talk more specifically about those bills. Yes, and I just want to mention, too, that the actual origin of this podcast series is from the DSA group in Montana that was part of that campaign to defeat LR-131, the so-called uh, Born, Born Life Infant Care uh, Act, which was an attack on um, health rights and, and privacy rights of, 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 of people. And after that effort of DSA with other groups across Montana, the DSA Legislative Committee uh, was formed to work on this legislative uh, session and as one of the projects of the Montana DSA Legislative Committee, this podcast was uh, was proposed by, by Marshall uh, Mayor of Helena, one of our leaders. And uh, we have gone ahead since that time. So we are very much connected with the basic issues of the National Organization for Women here in Montana. And uh, just really proud to have you here to explain the good things that Montana now has been doing in the legislature. Great. Well, what we decided to do uh, based on the enormity of the bills, a supermajority of conservative legislatures, legislators uh, who won in 2020, 2022 uh, with uh, the full uh, numbers that can pass any bill with one party, and that's the Republican Party. We're a nonpartisan organization. Uh, we're a 501c4, uh, but we are also very clear about supporting women's human rights champions. And that was the criteria we used in the elections at the federal and state level to endorse and work very hard for candidates. So within that, we have uh, don't have very many women's human rights champions, but we do uh, support those and we do oppose those who are uh, against our human rights. And so we came up with a list of, of uh, within all of those other core issues I mentioned, three areas that we are, again, laser focused on. One being, again, reproductive justice, which includes uh, access to abortion and all forms of bodily autonomy. We've seen that expressed in very uh, difficult and hateful attacks on LGBTQ and especially trans youth. Uh, we also have seen that uh, in various attacks to abortion access and so-called medical ethics. That's one of the two, one of the three. I'll give you a couple examples on each of these bill areas if you would like. And yes, yes, we. Perfect. And so um, the second, I'll just mention the second and third, which is the um, ending, second one, ending all forms of violence against women, girls, again, and missing and murdered indigenous peoples, including uh, indigenous justice. And then our third area is economic justice and fairness. We also have a broad lens to look at defending democracy. So whatever shape defending democracy turns up, in voter rights and our Montana constitution threats, we're on that as well. So that's the kind of overview. But I'll just give you a few examples of the reproductive justice and um, 
bodily autonomy bills that we have been uh, not only tracking in a weekly and now biweekly legislative alerts, which we encourage people to go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com Montana Now, um, or you can write to us at um, Montana now at yahoo.com to be added on our weekly alerts list. We have hundreds of members that stretch across the state. Again, every background, uh, all genders uh, that are members and they receive a week weekly bill alert to prioritize the hearings and these opportunities to support as well as oppose bills every week, now twice a week, because there's so many. And uh, also we have um, the Facebook itself, which brings up other opportunities, rallies, um, events, uh, any way that people would like to get involved. But our goal is to take action, as you heard from our purpose. So tracking is one form of doing it. We have uh, now weekly meetings of our political action team, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m., where we're talking bills and skills and sometimes thrills, depending on the fast and furious legislative session. But some examples that have been going on right now, even today, we have a bill on menstrual equity this afternoon, which is HB 498. We have a period poverty problem in Montana, as well as the rest of this nation, where girls, particularly girls and those who identify female, do not have access to period products. And they therefore miss school, they have accidents at school, they are short, being shortchanged in their educational and full lives to develop themselves because of this. So we have a great bill we're supporting by Emma Kerr Carpenter this afternoon, a hearing at 3 p.m. We also are uh, supporting uh, less, uh, Lori Bishop's, Representative Bishop's extraordinary bill, which is House Bill 432, which is codifying the Montana Supreme Court's 1999 Armstrong decision. Basically, we have a right to privacy in the Montana Constitution. It's been reaffirmed in this Armstrong court decision. What Lori Bishop's bill will do is to when, when passed, it will basically codify just the same as the federal level with the Women's Health Protection Act, which we also ask people to support, but it's the same thing at a state level. We need this in law because otherwise it will depend on the court interpretations. And we already know what the Supreme Court has done with their interpretations. And we could, if we do not defend democracy at the, at the um, Supreme and other court justice levels, we could lose the right to privacy in our constitution. We could also lose it if there's legislative or constitutional initiatives put on the ballot, which I suspect they're saving for last. We haven't seen most of those yet. So again, today uh, we also wanna mention one other bill we can support, and that is um, the House Bill 302, which is Alice Buckley. Uh, she is allowing for a 12 month birth control uh, through health insurance in Montana. Uh, we're still like period products. We do not have uh, full coverage in health insurance programs. People are using a lot of religious uh, freedom exemptions to provide any kind, any kind of health care and sexual health care that they believe conflicts with their uh, rights. So we urge those, uh, those bills support the 432, the 302, I know these are a lot of numbers, and the menstrual equity bill 
Oh, I'll mention one more, and that's coming up on Monday. And that is support for um, comprehensive sex education. Believe it or not, we're still in the prehistoric era here. And uh, this bill, 315, uh, Marianne Dunwell's, Senate Bill 315, Marianne Dunwell's bill, would provide for public schools comprehensive, medically accurate, appropriate age sexual education. We saw the results of a terrible bill last session, SB 99, which was um, many, many requirements, two days notice if you're going to even mention practically the word sex in any class from Shakespeare to biology to whatever that parents had to provide approval for their student to stay in that class. It is completely unconscionable that students do not have medically accurate, comprehensive, age-appropriate sexual education at a time when there's so many pregnancies that could be prevented, sexually transmitted diseases, and so forth. So that's the first category. Hope that's yes. not uh, fast, too fast and furious for you. No, but, uh, and you, of course, can find all of these at your Facebook page and in the, the weekly newsletter about what Montana now is tracking. And so if someone can't remember these things, go back to that Facebook page, Montana Now, and you'll find these details as well. And of course, Marianne Dunwell, Senator Marianne Dunwell was uh, our second uh, podcast uh, guest. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, she, like you, has been one of my heroes for years for working so diligently and every day in, day in, day out for uh, basic justice and Senate Bill 315 for sex and gender and sexuality education in public schools. It's just such a basic thing, uh, but tells you what kind of legislature we're up against uh, with a very uh, extremely conservative right-wing uh, fundamentalist uh, people who were trying to impose their views on us. Um, if I could just mention um, a couple of other examples that follow exactly what you're saying. I don't want to miss the very, very dangerous bill, Senate Bill 99, that has passed the Senate and is now going to be in the House, which is the so-called Provide for a Youth Health Protection Act. This is an attack on all youth, even though it's focused on trans youth. And it's basically saying until you're 18, you have no permission to, uh, without your parents' permission, you would not, even with your parents' permission, you are not allowed gender affirming healthcare as a young person. Um, and we know there are cases where this saves lives. This is exactly what the young person needs. Um, and Senator Fuller of Kalispell, unfortunately, has brought this back again and again. We defeated it before. Now it's past the Senate this session because of the supermajority. Remember, we talked about that. That's where they hold two-thirds two of every House and Senate seat, which means you can pass any bill you want if they all agree. And so we really urge you to contact your House of Representatives uh, and the um, fact that it'll go to the House Judiciary Committee, um, Senate Bill 99. And as again, Frank has said, you can find us on Facebook, Montana Now, or you can contact us at Montana Now at uh, yahoo.com to get on our, our list. We also talk about 
how you take action. What's the easiest way for you? Do you wanna leave a phone message? Do you wanna make an email comment? Do you wanna submit public testimony? Whether you show up and speak your testimony or you Zoom your testimony, you can still submit that testimony, which the entire committee receives. Um, and then the last one, take a little sip. <clears throat> that is about the constitution and as well as using, <laughs> excuse me, abortion, anti-abortion as the lens to attack the constitution, which is one of their favorite things is it is Senate Bill 154, which is defining the right to privacy to clarify no right to abortion. So this would change the constitution and basically um, probably put this on the ballot because it would be a constitutional amendment, but um, it would change the right to privacy to say an, uh, accessing abortion is no longer your own private personal decision. And therefore it would mean you could not get an abortion. That is Senate Bill 154, which we are strongly opposing in the Senate. So uh, those are examples again of attacks to our bodily autonomy, attacks to our Montana constitution. And there's a number of other bills uh, such as House Bill 303, which is in that implementing the Medical Ethics and Diversity Act, which basically gives doctors and all healthcare professionals across the field the right to refuse to perform essential healthcare procedures because they would say it is against going against their medical ethics. Well, the medical ethics of do no harm apply to every single healthcare professional. This is using, again, religious or other um, uh, ways to oppose abor abortion. And it's coming in the side door, it's coming in the back door, it's coming through the, again, desire to amend our constitutional right. Well, I can't stress enough that people should go to the uh, Montana Now Facebook site and get uh, assistance in how to support or oppose any of these bills. Um, and information, not just the short version that we are able to give here, but a more a link to the actual text of bills, like on Senate bills, you know, uh, 154. Um, a lot of people just learned last, you know, in the last uh, recent time that in 1999, the US, the Montana Supreme Court upheld challenges to Article Two of the Montana Constitution, which is the basis for protecting abortion rights in Montana, uh, Judge uh, Jim Nelson, who's uh, been uh, an interviewee, interviewee of mine on many occasions, is one of the people who uh, wrote that defense of of Article of the right to abortion in Montana. But you can find not only the text of these bills, but also suggested language. Uh, from Montana Now that will help you to, uh, that you can edit and share yourself to um, to the various committees that are dealing with and, and, and to the whole uh, kit and caboodle of legislators that we have, some of whom will uh, dismiss you out of hand, but you know maybe we can stop some of these bills. The other bill I want to ask you about, because I know it's very important to uh, Montana Now, is the bill, um, is House Bill 317, which provides for a Montana Indian Child Welfare Act. And I'm, I care about this a lot because earlier in my career, I 
worked for the Department of Public Health and Human Services and was the person who was uh, supervisor of the Indian Child Welfare Act specialist in Montana. And I see that there are about 1,200 uh, Native American, American Indian children in foster care in Montana. And the Supreme Court and in, at the national level, people are trying to get rid of the Indian Child Welfare Act protections for, for Native American culture and, and, and children. And in Montana, uh, Hospital 317 is the one that provides for a, a Montana Indian Child Welfare Act. You might, if you have anything to say about that, I'd appreciate that too. I, I would love to. And that's really a part of uh, a number of things. One is a larger reproductive justice framework that we use to think about not only the right to decide if you would not want children, or could not have a particular child, but also the right to have children and have those children raised in ways that are safe and healthy and provide, a, again, a full dignified life. And this for indigenous people and the right to be able to have those children raised in not only their culture, but the particular tribal nation uh, is so, so important. And we were going to have a guest today who unfortunately, like so many folks, has the flu, uh, but is a part of our political action team, Jade Sukis, Northern Cheyenne. This is one of her areas of work with indigenous justice. And she will be back on hopefully later in the session to talk more about it. But it's a bill we, we strongly care about because we want to incorporate in a reproductive justice and really economic and family justice framework, the facts that children um, and families need to have these rights and need to have these protections. And especially, as you said, Frank, with the Supreme Court decision coming up this fall on the federal legislation of Indian um, Children, uh, Indigenous Child Welfare Act, the um, prospect is not pro promising at the federal level, like so many other human rights issues uh, that they are interested in not supporting or uh, not interpreting in my mind as part of the constitution. So HB 317 really is important. It's in the House Human Services Committee. Um, I believe it's in the House Human Services Committee. And um, it's certainly part of our lineup of bills that people can look up, as you said, uh, the bill itself, some talking points, um, whose committee it's in, all of, all of that information. It's also a part of, uh, another bill I wanted to lift up under this second sort of category of our priority issues under ending all forms of violence against women and girls and uh, indigenous people. And that is Senate Bill 250. Senate Bill 250 is what is known as Caden's Law, K-A-Y-D-E-N-S, Caden's Law. That law was a part of the Violence Against Women Act reauthorization last spring in 2022. And that included funding for the training of helping to protect children and, and domestic violence survivors from um, child custody decisions that have literally killed some of these kids. They all happen to be girls in the states that have had laws named after the girls that have been killed by their parents. They're usually, unfortunately, their fathers um, who are domestic violence uh, perpetrators. These are parents who have had complete, permanent, lifetime restraining orders 
But yet, because of some interpretation by some judicial system and um, child custody personnel, they have chosen to say that the child has the right to a 50-50 parental custody arrangement. And part of that custody arrangement is with a convicted uh, domestic violence and child sexual assault abuser. It is horrible and I did not know until the courage of a number of women who are domestic violence survivors in Montana in different parts of the, the state, but primarily uh, Gallatin County, that, um, that this was even a huge problem. And it, is a, it has been um, so huge that it was added to the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. So what this bill would provide when states adopt their own version of Cadence Law, which is Senate Bill 250 in Montana, that will provide for mandatory training of different parties of the justice system, the child protective services, anyone who has any responsibility of, this, of keeping children safe. And that's why it's called keeping children safe law of this uh, version of Cadence Law. And it provides $25 million for each state to be able to implement the training. We are working with the National Family Violence Law Center, which has already had uh, the ability for six states, I would add they are blue states, but six states across the country, which have implemented their versions of Cadence Law, named after these children who have been murdered by their parents, uh, their parent. Um, and we we have one opportunity for Montana. It's in the House, to, excuse me, it's in the Senate Judiciary right now. It will be going uh, to the full Senate probably next week. We really urge your support for Senate Bill 250 to keep children safe. And we have in this domestic violence, we have a domestic violence justice campaign in Montana now with a number of survivors, with programs uh, addressing domestic violence, with uh, support and advice from the Nas National Family Violence Law Center from Montana now, um, a variety of people. And we are making comparisons between supporting HB 317, the Indian, um, the um, uh, Indigenous Child uh, Welfare Act, and this form of child protection, because they're both about protecting children and trying our very best uh, as part of a comprehensive uh, family and economic justice, indigenous justice. It's so intersectional, it covers just about everything. But I'm so glad you raised HB 317. We also want people to know about SB 250. So, um, so thank you. Well, there's so many bills, and the one you just mentioned, of course, uh, concerning domestic violence is just one of several bills that I know uh, Montana now is supporting. But, um, and I know that you've cared about this for, for years and helped to start the uh, domestic violence shelter in Bozeman, that's my understanding. I was uh, president of the board of the Friendship Center here in Helena, a domestic violence shelter as well. And when I was also working for the state of Montana, I was supervising the person who was uh, overseeing grants to the many domestic violence shelters. And, and of course, um, maybe people don't realize that 
women are being beat up every three minutes or something like this by somebody who's supposed to love them. But uh, these are very crucial things. And so thank you for mentioning this. I want to ask you about one more bill that I know that Montana now is, is tracking and it's related to domestic violence. It's House Bill 362, the crisis intervention training, um, which will help to provide training to uh, law enforcement and first responders on how to de-escalate um, violence when they when they arrive on a scene because um, people need help and sometimes they're getting beaten up but sometimes the people who are there don't know how to de-escalate and that's a bill 362 that uh, that you are following in Montana now and I was really shocked to to read in the Montana now uh, newsletter on legislation that women in Montana experienced the second highest rate of firearm fatality uh, from their intimate partners in the United States. I mean, what is going wrong in Montana? I mean, no state should be second, but why, what's I going it's, on? It's the, the level of violence in so many forms, as you've just heard a couple already, and you've raised, and again, we have this ending all forms of violence. We work with the wonderful uh, Montana Moms Demand Action for gun safety. We have a strong partnership with them. And it's really been working with them that we discovered in the last legislative session and we discovered from uh, organizations which I helped co-found co years ago as a survivor of violence myself, intimate partner violence, um, the Haven in Bozeman, uh, the level on a per capita basis of intimate partner violence by firearms in our state. Alaska is number one. We don't want to be number two. We don't want any state to be in this group. But, but that is what uh, having access to. We have uh, five guns per person in, you know, on a, on a distributive basis, many, many of us don't have any, but, um, but when you have that many guns, you can imagine uh, there's so many ways in which um, this happens. It, it impacts youth suicide. And so going back to the question that you asked about the need for this crisis intervention, uh, training and management, we, it's presented as a mental health bill, which is very important uh, when people are in a mental health crisis and the people that are first responders, many times it's the police or sheriff. We advocate, of course, for um, other forms of first responders, either in addition to or instead of uh, being able to uh, defuse situations that have the training and the time and they need the funding to, to be able to be in that position. But we also think it's important that people recognize one of the results of those in mental health crisis that have access to guns or other access to weapons um, are harming women, uh, harming children and families as well as any, any number of other people. So of course we support that bill and we support any gun safety bills that will keep people safe. Uh, we know, frankly, we're in Montana, we're not gonna end guns. We're not removing guns. Uh, that's not our position. That's certainly not the position of moms. But we know there's ways to keep people safe and to keep especially women and women that are, are in domestic violence situations um, who, who just have an incredibly difficult time to leave or may have, may have tried to leave 
or have lost their children in those child custody uh, settings that I just mentioned under Senate Bill 250. So these are very, um, very important areas. And um, because it's such a private crime, it's a hidden crime. It was on the rise during the pandemic when everybody was told to stay home. <laughs> and when you're staying home in an abusive, violent relationship, um, it only went up and all of the stats we know from the um, work that's being done by uh, violence prevention, anti-domestic violence, sexual assault uh, programs, all of these crimes have gone up and um, we, we care deeply about it. We have solutions and these pieces of legislation that we're encouraging people to support are part of those solutions. Thank you. And thank you for your work in this area. It's, we need everyone and we need men, if I can say one more thing. We need men talking to other men about issues of discrimination, violence, toxic masculinity. These are not all men, but we need we need to stop it. It is, it is just, um, you know, we can't live, we can't live like this, literally and figuratively. I understand uh, exactly what you're saying. Um, on lots of these issues, uh, myself, of course, uh, I'm a man and uh, have three, three daughters, many nieces and so forth. And so I care deeply about them and about little boys too. And one of the things that my mother taught me by her example was that she never let me have a toy gun ever, except for one day. And then that gun disappeared for 50 years. And I happened to find it when we were, uh, it was for a play that my mother made her, you know, relaxation in the rule, no guns, no toy guns, no nothing like that uh, for a play at school. And that uh, toy gun disappeared for 50 years. And we happened to find it in the farthermost corner of the farthermost closet in my mother's house. And uh, she not only did not let me play guns, but neither my father nor my mother ever hit us uh, or ever mistreated us. And so, but a lot of uh, people have not had that experience. One thing I want to mention to you is, um, is that I know that economic justice, I mean, there, there, there are attacks on all kinds of things. Um, today, uh, there's a, a, a rally in Helena, uh, for for against the right to work, the so-called right to work bill that's put forth to uh, essentially uh, take away uh, rights of union organizers, and as a former union member myself, uh, you know I, I cannot be there in person today. But there are lots of things that uh, I know that um, Montana now is supporting, including because I've read your <laughs> email and and. Senate Bill 259, which is a small business tax credit for those businesses that are paying a livable wage, not a minimum wage, but a livable wage. And are there other bills like Senate Bill 259 that you might want to call to our attention that refer to economic justice? Thank you. And, and I would just add on a personal note, I have been a union organizer and I have been in my faculty union when I was teaching at MSU. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that one of the strongest places to find pay equity happens to be in unions because union require union contracts require pay equity in all of the job classifications that are part of part of systems and pay equity is a huge huge issue for us along with comparable worth 
And remarkably, but not surprisingly, the first thing that we noticed because we passed an equal pay for equal work bill, uh, sorry, resolution, uh, local level in Bozeman, the city of Bozeman, we noticed that the governor removed that entire equal pay for equal work task force um, program advocacy off the Department of Labor website within the month that he was installed. And you would never know that it, that it ever happened in Montana for a solid track record of eight years of trying to look at those economic justice and fairness measures. So back to this legislature, a little bit of history there. Um, we're also supporting, in addition to that uh, bill, which would recognize, as you said, the livable wages. And when you look at the feminization of poverty, and part of that feminization of poverty is from pay inequities that accrue, like you know, no interest on a savings account, they accrue downward over time. When women are making, um, we are in the top five of the lowest pay inequity states. We are like number 46 out of 50 states in terms of economic injustice in just the pay equity alone. But that's not all of it. We actually have a bill that is going to be a House Bill uh, 386 by Howell, um, which will advance sick and family paid leave and especially the sick and medical leave, which again, surprising in 2023, we do not have this basic right um, to, to uh, not, especially coming out of a pandemic, to not have to go to work uh, when you are ill. And given all of that, we urge people's uh, strong support. It's, you know, all of these bills are incremental, but they are steps in the right direction and House Bill 386. The two other areas I wanna mention though, under economic justice, if I can, yes. is a very, very big, super wonderful bill that Mary Cafaro has always been championing. And that is to expand the Medicaid reimbursement rates. Again, we are one of the lowest in the nation, Medicaid is absolutely essential for healthcare, which is another human right. And uh, we have a lot of different Medicaid programs, healthy kids. We have uh, people that are um, you know, working but don't have enough money in their jobs uh, and they have no benefits in their jobs. So Medicaid is super important uh, to preserve the healthcare of many people low in people with low incomes, families, et cetera. So her, uh, her bill to advance, and I don't have a number, but I know she's working through the Appropriations Committee. And there's many bills that we're supporting within the appropriations of the um, Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services, Medicaid being one. The other one is childcare. We have childcare deserts in Montana, everywhere. Doesn't matter where you live, even in the bigger cities, uh, we do not have affordable, culturally appropriate. Uh, and this affects families who need the childcare to keep their jobs. It affects childcare workers who are mostly female, who are among the lowest paid, which also contribute to the feminization of poverty. Most women are in the lowest paid jobs. So even when we were fighting at the local level for a livable wage job, um, a lot of our commissioners who were supporting it did not realize that it was women and women of color and immigrant women who were making so little um, that we're going to benefit so much from having livable. 
Well, it sounds as if uh, what we're fighting is a, is a big problem, a big set of problems. I uh, remember Martin Luther King Jr. saying the arc of history may be long, but it bends towards justice. And uh, I'm thinking we're on the upward uh, march here to see that it does bend towards justice because it seems like in Montana with all the things that we've mentioned and things that we're either supporting or, or going against here with uh, Montana now that uh, the struggle is really, really deep for basic economic justice, for basic human rights. And those things are part of DSA's uh, three priorities as well. In this legislature, uh, something we haven't mentioned, but we will talk about next week in another podcast is affordable housing. It's a crisis in Helena, it's a crisis in Bozeman, it's a crisis all across Montana. Our second priority is reproductive rights and abortion rights. And third is labor rights and economic justice, as, as you've mentioned. But um, our time is really up in terms of uh, time we can devote to this podcast. But I want to give you uh, thanks, Jan, from the bottom of my heart for being with us and for all your work over all these years. And to say, uh, if you take a minute or two, say anything that you want to say is finally about Montana now or about the issues that you've talked about. and then. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll close this session for today. Great. Well, Frank, it's been great to be with you and thanks to Marshall and all of the DSA folks uh, that are doing this important work to communicate the issues in this particular way. I would also say we, we work also in coalitions and I would be negligent if I didn't mention the importance of the Montana Sexual Reproductive Health Collective, of which we are part of 50 to 100 groups and individuals uh, fighting for those rights across the state. And we work closely uh, with a number of allied organizations that are defending human rights and uh, basic economic justice. We hope you would consider joining us. We welcome again all folks across the state. We have a number of legislators that are our members, and we have a number of leaders in important areas, and we have fundamental grassroots activists um, in some of the most far-reaching rural areas of our state, which we're especially proud of. Um, and we've been expanding our reach in terms of uh, indigenous members, tribal members, and young people fighting for their basic rights. So we welcome your checking us out at Montana Now. Uh, at yahoo.com or on our Facebook page, which is also Montana Now. And we look forward to maybe returning again with some of our other political action team leaders and uh, working always together in coalition with your organization and all of the others who support our basic values and rights. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jan. And on behalf of the Helena DSA, Democratic Socialists of America and Montana DSA, I want to uh, thank Jan again and to tell you that uh, these podcasts are available uh, and you can just uh, do a uh, internet search for Montana DSA podcasts and all of the six, including this final one or this most recent one with Jan Strout from Montana Now, National Organization for Women uh, are available there. Uh, and especially wanna thank Marshall Mayer from Helena DSA, who is the producer. If you haven't seen Marshall on this, um, video or on the audio, but uh, he's the one who's making it all happen in the background with, uh, with the uh, recording and Zoom materials that we've used. So thank you for Marshall. Thank you to Marshall. And thank you to you again, Jan. 
Uh, blessings to both of you, my dear friends, and I uh, hope to uh, see all of you next week. We'll, we'll be doing two more, at least two more interviews, one with Elizabeth Marum from Bozeman, who's a great community organizer, who will be focusing in on affordable housing issues in Montana. And then we'll also be interviewing uh, Denny Tenenbaum, a former legislator from Missoula, um, who's a lawyer, uh, activist lawyer, who will uh, be with us to talk about how uh, we as citizens can be a little bit more effective in, in dealing with the legislature, even in a time when we're dominated by um, this uh, right-wing group of legislators who uh, apparently uh, haven't studied either their history or their human rights. So thanks to everyone. Uh, goodbye for now and uh, hope to see you soon.